As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. A quick word now from my team at thisisbracketracing.com. Enrollment in our premier membership community opens Monday, November 23rd. We only open enrollment a couple of times a year, and it is for a limited time. So if you have been waiting for this moment, the moment, depending on when you're listening to the show, is almost here. You can learn more. You can join at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. If you are uninitiated, unfamiliar with our premier membership community, This Is Bracket Racing Elite, uh, what we do, we are in the business of helping racers just like you become better racers to not only identify, but work toward becoming the best version of yourself on the racetrack. If you're interested, if you're intrigued, check it out at thisisbracketracing.com slash reminder. That will get you on our email list. And um, so we'll, we'll remind you that enrollment is open. We'll remind you when enrollment is about to close. And along the way, um, we'll also probably send you a few complimentary lessons that hopefully you'll benefit from that will also just give a little bit of insight to what Elite is all about. So again, if you're intrigued, if you're curious, check it out. This is bracketracing.com slash reminder. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, 
you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss the strip teaser and the Saturday Night Hooker. It is that time of year. Uh, racing is beginning to slow down, and this is arguably my favorite time for the podcast because it opens up the opportunity for Jed and for myself to sit down with some of the movers and shakers, not only uh, within racing, but within the racing industry. And today we actually have the opportunity to sit down with a guy who is, who has made his impact on both, both behind the wheel and um, on the sport as a whole. And that is Thomas Gall, Gall Star TV. You may be familiar. It is the drag racing, particularly sportsman drag racing, YouTube channel. Uh, and as Thomas will get into, it's come a long way um, since its inception and obviously still has some, some iteration and some growth ahead of it. Um, so I sat down with Thomas. We, we talked about some of his backstory, uh, like me, like Jed. Thomas is a, is a second-generation racer. So we talked about his upbringing, uh, the passion that that instilled for the sport, and then ultimately how he found an outlet for that passion, again, not just in racing, but in producing these really high-level, engaging, entertaining, informative videos for Call Star TV that, um, as, I, as we said in the, in the discussion, felt like, and still, I think, feels like this, this whole new platform, this YouTube thing. Well, YouTube is not new, right? YouTube is new to us as, uh, as sportsman drag racers, and particularly uh, people of, of my age, right? YouTube seems like this newfangled idea. And even though it's not within our market, within our industry, Thomas is very much at the forefront of it. Like, Gallstar TV is the pioneer, Right. There's, there's, there was no other uh, drag racing related, particularly sportsman drag racing related YouTube channel before he came along, before he created it. So we talk a little bit about that process. We talk a little bit about the, uh, the creative process that goes into uh, assembling and, and manufacturing uh, the, the videos that he puts out on Golf Star TV. And we get into a little bit of the, the personal aspect because as you might have guessed, um, Gallstar TV is not is not the main gig for Thomas Gall, right? It's it's a side gig, and we, so we talked a little bit about the balancing act of that as well. So, with that in mind, uh, I'll shut up. I'll let you listen. Uh, we'll get right to Thomas Gall. But first, as always, PJ North. Thomas Gall, what's happening, man? How's it going? It's 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 going. We're uh, we're staying busy. Twenty twenty is a year. I'll tell you that. Wow. <laughs> that's uh, yeah. That that that's. Uh, I don't know if that's understatement or, or hyperbole, <laughs> but it's one somewhere in between. Man, it's an honor to to have you on the show. I guess the logical place to start is for the 
uninitiated? Like, what is Golf Star TV? Sure. Yeah. And, but first, it's an honor to be on this show. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it very much, and and I love watch or I love listening to the show. And uh, I, I always thought maybe I'd make it on to this show one day by winning a big bracket race or something like that. But I guess this is, I'll have to take this. Um, I'm still super honored to be here. So thank you so much for having me on. But yeah, Golf Star TV is kind of uh, what we do. It's kind of uh, the YouTube channel that is kind of tied to our racing operation. And uh, it's grown to be just, I'm, I'm surprised at what it's become. Um, it's been a lot of work, but a ton of fun. And uh, it started as a YouTube channel and has become a brand, which, you know, we have a lot of merchandise and marketing partners and we do a lot of video services and uh, even some design services and stuff. And now we have a team, Gullstar, and, and there's just a lot of moving parts to it. And uh, we try to make a lot of content focused towards the motorsports industry, specifically bracket racing. So. All right. So with that in mind, like, let's, let's take a step back because obviously you were a racer long before you were a, a YouTube success, right? So let's talk. My impression is second generation, like what's your maybe earliest memory of racing and kind of walk us through the Cliff's Notes version of your, uh, your history within it. Sure. And I think, I think my story is not uncommon in the drag racing world. You know, my dad started racing back when he was in high school. And so when I was born, I was at the racetrack and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people can probably relate to that story. And, and my earliest memory is just being at the racetrack and, and uh, I'd be hauled down there by my grandma every week, you know, and my dad would already be there because he would go there for time trials, but I had to go to church and go out to eat for lunch with my grandma first. And then we'd go down on the racetrack and I'd catch up with my dad, you know, Hey, you know, where are we at? How's it, you know, how are things going? And I think that's my, my earliest memory, but uh, yeah, typical family story um, as far as drag racing goes. And that value is just, you know, really prominent and really important in the channel as well. So. Absolutely. And a lot of that sounds very familiar here as well. When did you first take the wheel yourself? I have been racing for 15 years now. So the channel is not near that age. Um, but uh, so a lot of racing had been under my belt before I even thought about YouTube or starting to turn a camera on. Um, I started racing when I was in high school. Um, you know, like I said, go to the racetrack every single weekend and, uh, you know, growing up and there's junior dragsters out there and I'm like, man, dad, I really want one of those. I want one of those juniors bad, you know, and, and my dad is smart because he's like, well, listen, you can, you can have one of those junior dragsters. I'll get you a junior dragster and you can have it and you can race it a handful of weekends every summer or, or I'll get you a dirt bike. You can race that thing around every day if you want to. And so I got a dirt bike and I never had a junior dragster. I love my dirt bike. I had three of them. You know, I dirt biking was awesome. I learned a ton, but uh, never had a junior dragster. Uh, it wasn't until high school. I finally got into uh, my old man and I call him the old man because I call him the old man in the channel too. So if you're familiar with the channel, I'm not, uh, people sometimes ask me, they say, Hey, you call your dad, the old man. That's disrespectful, but it's, it's, 
it's a hundred percent not that way for us. I, I hope people understand that he called his dad, the old man, and I call him the old man and I respect him more than anybody. I think that's a misunderstanding by a lot of people, but sorry, sidetracked. But um, I started racing the old man 64 Chevelle when I was in high school. I raced it for one year, um, had a lot of success in it. You know, dad just kind of decided like, all right, you did good. We, it looks like you're here to stay. This is something that you want to do. And so he decided that, you know, I think we'll build a dragster for you. He thought that that would be the safest and most cost-effective way to go fast and be successful and be competitive in the sport. So we built a brand new dragster in 2006 and that's the car that I'm still racing today. So that was kind of the first time I got behind the wheel. I think that was 2005 or something like that. But, and ever since then, uh, been doing it every weekend pretty much. All right, so one one thread that I want to pull on a little bit now, as uh, as as life progresses and the tables turn, you talked about the the junior dragster wish, right? And and how your dad handled that. Now, as a parent, what uh, what are you preparing for? Oh man, it is so hard, man. My daughter Vera, um, if you guys watch her in the videos, you only even see half of it. I mean. Every time she hears junior dragsters called to the lane, she's asking, let's go, let's go watch the juniors. I'm like, Farah, I don't, I don't want to go watch the juniors again. You know, I got stuff to do over here. You know, I don't, she loves them. It's, it's bad. She wants one bad. And uh, so I am just desperately trying to figure out how to genetically engineer a unicorn, because I think that's the only thing that might, take the cake over top of a, a junior dragster. I, I don't know what else I can offer her. Uh, it's a serious problem. If anybody has any feedback on that, um, what's an alternate, but no, she, she definitely wants one bad. And how old is Vera? Uh, she is five years old right now. I, uh, I can commiserate. The struggle is real. So <laughs> something that we're going to have to deal with, uh, probably sooner than later. Uh, back to your, uh, your time behind the wheel, like you've had pretty tremendous success, at least in, in, in times in your career, correct? Well, I, I think, I mean, locally here, I've had what you would call tremendous success. I, we pretty much raced locally exclusively for a huge chunk of the, we haven't started traveling or going to any of the bigger money bracket races. Um, we'd never really traveled outside of our, close like two or three tracks uh for a lot a lot of years so but we had a lot of success locally um but i think that that went ahead and that peaked in like 2017 so uh, numerous like local track championships and stuff like that but and for the um on the listener that may be a bit more familiar what is local for you right so we are uh I'm from South Dakota, so unfortunately, we don't have a lot of racetracks close by here. I mean, we re our local track is Thunder Valley here in South Dakota. We travel around the Midwest. We get down to Cedar Falls, Iowa, um, Eddyville, Iowa. Um, Iowa has a handful of tracks. Onawa has a new track down there. So we kind of race that circuit more or less. We travel out to Byron once in a while. Um, once in a while, not very often, but mostly Cedar Falls, Onawa, and Thunder Valley is kind of our local area here. But 
yeah, like I mentioned, we we race pretty much the local point series for you know ten or eleven years, pretty much exclusively. We had a ton of success. Um, I think I've won. I don't know, 13 track championships or something like that. And, you know, the goal for us was always to try to win the track championship and make it to the world finals. That that was really the, our goal as a racing team. And that was hard <laughs> to do because we made it down there in 2007. That's uh, way back. I was just a senior in high school. Um, it was like, my first no it was my second year in my dragster um won the track championship and was invited to the world finals in 2007 and at this time it was in rockingham and the format for the world finals was a little bit different back then uh once you got to the world finals there was only eight i think it's more like the nhra side a little bit um but now there's a lot of competitors at the ihra side of things but back in 2007 there was only eight so once you made it down there there's only eight drivers and you know i'm a young kid and i just uh, i'll tell you for 10 years i did nothing but think about this race you guys it, it was terrible first round i remember the details i was 14 the other guy was 44 and transmission failure off the hit first round <laughs> you know we're in north carolina and this car has been nothing but reliable and I have the tree and I'm just, I pull over to the side of the track just in disbelief, you know, and my, my old man's behind me and he's, his jaw is just on the ground, you know, he can't believe it either. But we got to drive home and we got to think about that for, for 10 years. And it wasn't until 2017 that we actually made it back to the world finals. And that was a, that was a long journey to get there because where we are out here in South Dakota, we don't really fall into a division and there's a whole bunch of other circumstances. Like you have to win your track championship, but then you get pulled into a wild card situation where you kind of have to get your name drawn out of a hat in order to actually go. And I'm pretty sure my name was in the hat a bunch of times, but it was never getting pulled. And, and it wasn't until 2017 when we finally got to make it back down there and uh, get the job done finally. But national championship 2017 how right. okay so let's just take those those two occurrences briefly and, and obviously we'll get back to the to the youtube channel as well but from a racing standpoint retrospectively when you look back on 2007 how much pressure was that and how how different was that from anything that you had experienced to that point in 2007, how different was it? Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, that was so long ago, it's hard to remember. But I do remember it just being an eye-opening experience. Like, you know, as a kid, my dad took me to a handful of, you know, NHRA national events to watch top field cars and stuff. And, and that's kind of how it was, right? In, in 2007, when you went to Rockingham on the IHRA side, it, it was like that. And you were basically making laps in between the pro mods and everything else. And it was, it was awesome because there's TV cameras and all this stuff. And I, I was a young kid. I didn't know what was going on. My mom came down. We, I mean, there was, I don't know. It, it it was an amazing experience. It, it was nerve wracking for sure, but 
it, it's hard to remember it from to be honest with you that far back because i think back then yeah i took the racing super seriously but everything is at a whole n- new level nowadays i mean i i don't want to say that it was easier back then but it, i don't know it didn't seem as much pressure as it is today for some reason i don't know why that was Okay. And then you've got the decade of kind of brewing on that, you know, this is going to just be a kick in the gut, right? And, and the, to be however many thousands of miles from home to be, and I think it almost gets escalated when it's just an eight car shootout, particularly for the, the prize pool that was available, you know, I think has been pretty consistent with IHRA, but it seems like it was even bigger back then. And then it's one thing to be one of 50, right? But with one of eight, there's almost an added expectation. So I, not that you felt like you had any advantage in 2017 coming in, but I would imagine now retrospectively living through that helped you deal with the pressure in 17 and certainly made coming out on top that much sweeter. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I just getting to the event in 2017 like i i hope i'm not quoting this wrong but i remember like just a series of the rule changes happening just slightly throughout the years where in 2017 what i had to do to go was just win my track championship and there wasn't none of this wild card or anything happening if we won the track championship we got to go and we got down to the end of the year and it was a runoff situation. And I remember just thinking like, okay, we've, we've actually made it this close. We got to just finish this off. And it was a weird, weird thing because we had three cars left in the runoff and there was like a rain delay and all of this stuff. And so they decided to give all three of us a time hit. And so we got a time hit and whoever had the best reaction time, would get the buy in the runoff and I was able to I think I hit the tree like a 007 or something and that was good enough and I got the buy and went and made the buy the other guys ran off I remember in the final runoff I remember hitting the tree and thinking oh no what all we made it so close and now what have you done and went down there and the race just looked normal and the wind light came on and I came back and yep sure enough I was like 32 on the tree and somehow had the wind light still on but my wife was there and she was crying and my old and we were just that excited just to actually make it back because seriously like 10 years like we've talked about it so long like it's that hard just to get there at least yeah, I mean, and then now I, you know, we made it again in 2018 and then it didn't seem quite as special, but for the years of 2007 through 2017, it was like, felt like this impossible thing just to make it there. And so when the wind light came on, we actually got to go down there. I was just, I, I felt a huge pressure taken off just at that point. It almost felt like, so like once we got down to Memphis, you know, man, I've been on a roll this season. I finally made it back. And uh, like you mentioned, you know, we've been down to Rockingham and we've seen how, how terrible this can go. <laughs> we felt a little bit more prepared and we felt, uh, um, you know, ready to rock and roll when we made it down to Memphis. Yeah. 
that's a that's a cool memory to to just hear you relive, man. So yeah, and that's kind of the uh, sorry to jump in, but that's kind of the cool thing about the YouTube channel too. Like 2017 was the first year that I really started recording, and it kind of really defined the YouTube channel as being a, a bracket racing channel. Uh, it was in 2017, so that whole season was pretty well documented. And so was the world final. So it's pretty cool to go back and kind of relive that particular race. Obviously, it's one of the more popular videos on the channel, of course. And I think a lot of people find the channel because of that. But yeah, it's definitely fun to go back and watch it. What a neat tool to kind of relive some past personal history. And uh, and it's got to put you right back in the moment. That is cool. So and that- you get to go back and learn lessons over and over again whenever you mess up. <laughs> to or not huh? absolutely so that's actually the the perfect segue so so you said 2017 was really the the first you know serious year of golf star tv like what was the the catalyst what what made you decide to to start that channel in the first place well it started not even being defined as just a racing channel it started just because basically because my daughter vera Um, I decided I wanted to somehow capture her growing up and I wasn't, you know, going to keep a scrapbook or anything like that. And I said, well, I kind of want to, you know, make some videos and be able to watch her grow up over and over again. Well, all we're ever doing is racing and she seems to really enjoy racing. So most of the videos were kind of family videos, uh, revolving around what we're doing at the racetrack. And, uh, you know, I just kind of, decided that there's a lot of uh there wasn't a lot of bracket racing related content on youtube i you know was at home i was watching some youtube stuff and i was like there's nobody really putting out any good bracket racing content i just noticed that and i was like well i kind of want to make these videos for my own you know watching my daughter grow up and i really into bracket racing and there's there's no there's no examples of it on the internet and i figured you know what let's start making a bracket racing youtube channel it's a family friendly drag racing show right and that's kind of how it started and how it developed it's obviously taken on some different iterations over the years and it's it's like anything like any creative pursuit i would imagine it is still a work in progress uh, as you go along what maybe looking back now what four plus years what is the biggest thing that you know now about doing what you do with golf star tv that maybe you never anticipated or could have envisioned when you first started the channel it's a great question i didn't really think that think that this one through but what do i know now <laughs> I don't know. I, I think the, the YouTube channel just helps me keep a positive outlook. I mean, as you know, this, this sport can be so rough. It's so difficult to keep a positive attitude. Right. And I think that having the camera on, uh, and kind of knowing that there's viewers there that kind of care what we're doing, I think that really helped me kind of shift as far as keeping a positive attitude. And I just kind of like to try to, you know, spread positivity on the channel. I think that's one piece of it. Um, As far as actually, if you're, you know, pointing that question as actual, what's important on YouTube, 
that I have learned, the thumbnail has to be really, really good. That's like the number one thing. What I have found is that like, I'm, I'm super passionate about making video content. And every time I make a video, I just want it to be a little better. I, it's kind of a creative outlet for me, right? I mean, my, my normal job challenges me in, in all of these ways, right? Uh, but really what I'm passionate about and in the area that I want to be challenged is kind of in a creative way. And the videos kind of give me this, this way to be creative. It's this creative outlet for me. And so like I got down this road where every video I wanted it to be better and better and better. And the next one is better than the last one. And the videos were, I, in my opinion, getting really, really good. And I was really, really proud of them. And I always post something that I'm proud of every single time. Um, but they weren't getting the views. And I was like, what's going on? It's so important to have a, a good thumbnail. I feel like that's more important than the actual video content, unfortunately, because I noticed that early in, uh, in my days of YouTube was that there's a lot of other channels out there that seem to be posting mediocre content that uh, somehow are having great success, right? Well, I want to be the guy that's posting good content, you know? So I think those are some of the lessons that that's a roundabout way of answering your question. I understand, but some thoughts as far as what I've learned. No, that makes a ton of sense because that's, that's gotta be the eye catcher. Like you've got to get somebody's attention before they'll even realize that you've got this incredible content, right? Right. And I completely, it resonated with me so much when you talked about the, the optimism aspect of it, because I feel the same way with the podcast, like the, you feel a need to be honest and transparent. And at the same time, and I don't want to overblow the impact that, that I have or that you have, you know, with, with Callstar TV, but to some extent, like you have the opportunity to influence the, the people watching, you know, the, the followers of the show. And I feel like that's a responsibility. Like you don't want to impart negativity or pessimism, you know, I mean, you, you want to, you want to in, instill all of the good things, all the reasons that we love this stuff, right? Absolutely. Uh, I, you know, I always, just in my last video, I think I, I hit the nail pretty, pretty close was I never turned a wind light on in my last video. And I think it's hard for me to publish this content sometimes. Like if I, if I'm not going to have even turned on a wind light, it's, it's real easy to just scrap that footage. But I think that the viewers really appreciate, you know, seeing the highs and the lows, you know, we keep it real on the channel. You're going to see it when I miss the tree. You're going to see it when I give the stripe back. You're going to see it when I take 60 stripe and break out a thou, you know, I, I think keeping it real like that, um, keeping it honest, you know, I think that's what people enjoy and seeing the highs and lows and it's the lows that you have to be careful of. And that's where I just really, I think the channel has helped me kind of realize that, Hey, these people care. These people want to see what's going on. If I'm going to lose a round, I'm going to stay positive. And no matter what, every lap on the track, I'm going to learn something and that's the kind of message I try to give to the audience is, you know, stay positive. You're not going to win every round. Um, as long as you're learning something, you're going to come out better. You may even know the exact number, but I'm assuming you're hundreds deep now into, you know, 
videos posted to the channel. I'm curious, is there one in particular that stands out to you as not so much the most popular, the most impactful, like this is the one that I'm most proud of? Yeah, and there's, I think, 230-ish videos. I would have to go back at the channel and kind of look at them to actually pick out a favorite because obviously all the most recent ones are fresh in my mind. Um, and you know, the more recent you get, the more polished the content is, but you know, kind of outside of just the technical speaking of, you know, this, this is the most well put together video. I don't think that's really what you're looking for, but I don't know. I think, Back in 2018, there was a video, and I'm not going to remember the exact name of it, but uh, I remember my daughter is on the thumbnail, and she's holding up an Iron Man trophy. And uh, I think that video, I, I don't really know why that was my favorite. Maybe it's just the, the vibe or the music or something. It, it kind of had a lot of that positivity embedded into it, and a lot of that family stuff was in it, and the racing was really good. Um, I think, you know, that's... In my mind, for some reason, that video, I, I remember sharing it a few times over the years just because for some reason I keep going back to that video. I don't really have a reason why I think that video is my favorite, but I think it just kind of captures all of the things that I always want to be in the video, even though I can't always get every one of these. Like if I can't win around at racing, I can't, you know, put that into the video, right? But um, I think there's a, a recipe for a, a really, really good golf star video. And I think that one hit it pretty close. We'll do a little bit of homework post-show and we'll get the link to that specific episode. We'll just, we'll include it in the, in the show description. So those of you that listen to this, or you want to punch through on the phone, as particularly if you're not uh, super familiar with what Thomas does in Gallstar TV, that's uh, obviously the, one of the more representative uh, opportunities to check it out. Um, I want to dig a little bit deeper into the, the technical side of what you do. And we could go a number of different directions here. I guess the first thing, just for the, the average racer, I feel like, I shouldn't even say I feel like, I know uh, from personal experience and specifically from dealing with a lot of our members in the CIS Bracket Racing Elite, there is no better tool for um, self-analysis on the racetrack than like in-car video. What particular um, equipment would you most recommend if you're simply looking for a tool to, to analyze yourself? Sure. Um, well, I have experience with various different GoPro cameras and currently what I run, both of my GoPros are the GoPro Hero 7 Black. Uh, I guess as far as an analysis tool, I would recommend uh, getting anything probably from a GoPro Hero 6 Black and up, um, if you can find a used one. The reason that I would specify the Black model is because um, at the Hero 6 on the Black, you have to get the, the Black model. There's some cheaper ones, but they don't have all of the same frame rates. I think it's critical to uh, be able to have those higher frame rates so that you can actually play back your footage in slow motion. I think that would be pretty... Uh, I th I find it pretty useful to be able to watch back the footage in slow motion um, to kind of see what actually happened on the track. So that would be one recommendation. Of course, if you get a, a newer camera, if you get a 7, 8, or a 9, uh, you're just going to have, you know, higher resolution and more camera features and stuff like that. But 
I think just getting a, a black model uh, that has those higher frame rates is probably the main thing. And I know just from watching uh, several of your productions in the past, you've experimented quite a bit with moving around location and angle and things like that. Like, again, from more of a, a self-analysis standpoint, like where would you recommend starting or what do you think you gain the most from in terms of just where the, where the camera's pointing? Well, I think, I think obviously I think that the finish line is probably uh, the number one thing people would probably think to try and capture as far as, cause that's what happens so fast in reality um, to actually be able to slow that down and go and look at, look at what you actually took or how far you were behind and how did you feel versus what did it actually look like? So I think getting a good angle on the finish line is uh, probably where I would start. And, and that's of course what I incorporate into a lot of my videos. I think if I can get a good tight race at the finish line, I think people get pretty excited to watch that in, you know, 240 frames per second and slow it down to, you know, quarter speed or something like that. It, it's pretty, makes for some pretty cool video content for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Cool stuff. Um, all right. So I'm curious on this too, from a, from a more personal level, because uh, even with the, the continued growth and probably exponential growth over the course of what the last year or two of golf star tv this is like this is your side gig you know i mean you've still got a quote unquote real job you mentioned earlier you're you're raising a family like i'm curious what does a day or a week in the life look like like i would imagine that this is a pretty time-consuming process what we see you know the 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 10-minute video that we see there's no telling what you've got invested in that I'm just curious how does it all come together on your end and what does your your day or your week look like typically well I guess looking at a at a week level yeah I I do have a a full-time job that I work and I you know I try to I try to put a thousand percent into whatever I'm doing so when I'm at work I try to you know, go a thousand percent at work. But when I come home, um, I have a specific set of tasks I need to complete every night. Obviously, I have two young children, Vera, she, she is five, and now Leonard just turned one. So it's busy around the house. Uh, and I have to thank my wife so much for everything that she does. She has no idea how much I appreciate it. But, uh, you know, getting getting the whole nighttime routine taken care of and Holy smokes, do kindergartners have a lot of homework nowadays. I can't even believe it. I'm so thankful that I'm not in kindergarten right now. I'll tell you that. But uh, getting everybody into bed uh, typically takes me until about 8 or 8.30 each night. And then that's when golf star stuff begins is about that time every night. So, um, yeah, I, I work some late hours on videos once in a while. Normally, uh, Monday and Tuesday nights, I'm scrambling to get Wednesday's video done. Um, and then, you know, Thursday and Friday, I typically, uh, take to work on, you know, other things related to the channel. Obviously we have our merchandise store, uh, trying to keep up with that, keep the inventory up to date and everything. Um, a lot of little side projects and social media content that we like to make, uh, try to get that scheduled out. Um, so there's a lot of little behind the scenes bits and pieces. We do, you know, some, uh, video work for, other people, other race promoters or, or, you know, video services once in a while for other people. Uh, so keeping up with all, all of that kind of stuff happens um, on those days too. So yeah, it's, 
it, it's a lot, but I mean, that's where it ties back to like, you, you got to enjoy doing it. And I absolutely love doing it. I love making videos. Like I said, this is, this is what I'm passionate about is racing and this content creation. There's the two things, there's no two things that I like doing more and, and you find the two and it's like a win-win, right? So like I said, you have to have passion uh, to be able to, you know, do something like this and to do it well and to do it continually for, you know, X number of years. Yeah, no, that's the thing is, is it's one thing to be intrigued and, and have an idea, but this stuff, as you well know, um, it, it doesn't just grow overnight and just the stick to to, to be with it for four years. I want to say, Thomas, not only does the passion come through in your voice in this interview, I think more importantly, it comes through in every piece that you put up. Like you, you can't watch your channel and not see that love, you know, genuine uh, love for our sport and what you're doing within it come through. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it very much. I mean, some of the video ideas that we have, uh, they'll be up on the whiteboard that you see behind me here for a year or something like that. Like just two weeks ago, I posted a very outside of the box video and it was just this idea I had like a year ago. Um, but it was, a, it was our first ever like short film. It was our Gold Star shorts. It was a short film where we actually you know, me and my daughter, we did some acting, right? We weren't talking to the camera. It wasn't a vlog. It was an actual like short film. Um, of course it was, you know, bracket racing related, but we had a ton of fun with it. But, uh, you know, that's that creative thing. Like I, I just wanted to make this video, right? Just because I just had this idea and it sat up on the board forever until, you know, in the back of my head, all the little pieces of the video were kind of coming together. And I finally decided, you know what, this is going to be a pretty sweet video. So we, I told Vera about it, <laughs> you know, my five-year-old daughter, I said, sweetie, I'm going to make a cool video. Are you excited? I told her about it and holy smoke, she was pumped. She got so excited about it. She, she's seriously going to be like an actress or something because uh, she was more engaged in making this video. It just took, you know, we filmed it over the course of like an afternoon and you know, she didn't get bored or anything. She didn't want to do anything else. She was just super pumped about it. And, you know, you know, be able to do something like that with my daughter and make cool content at the same time, something that I'm passionate about. It's just, I, that's why I say I love doing it because I truly do. Now, how awesome is it in this digital age? And then you combine that with the platform that you have. How awesome is it just to have that freedom? Like, oh, I've got this cool idea. Like, let's just do it. Right. Yeah. It's, it is awesome. Yeah. On the, the creative end, and this may be a really difficult question to, to try to answer new content, the, the struggle of creating new content on a weekly basis, if not more, right? Where do the ideas come from and how common is it for you to get stuck, to get that writer's block, if you will? you know, it, it isn't terrible because during the summer we do so much racing that it is super difficult in the summer to just keep up with posting content. But what I do have happen is I end up with a, a giant pile of footage. Um, what's hard is going back now, like in the middle of the winter in the off season, um, going back and 
looking at old footage. I almost have to rewatch all of it, but I do have a backlog of actual like racing events I can go back and make content about. So it's nice to have that, especially when you don't have a new idea, you can go back and kind of make a video about an old race. Um, if I did a good job recording that day, if I did, if I did a bad job of keeping the camera up to date, sometimes I have to uh, jump in and kind of make the video a little bit different to make sure it tells the story. Right. And if there's missing pieces, I have to, you know, add them in there, um, in a creative way. But, uh, yeah, so having that backlog of footage kind of helps, but, um, yeah, it's difficult to come up with new ideas sometimes, but, um, I do keep a list. And then also I, I have, uh, this team golf star, uh, that we put together people that help me out, um, whenever I need help with an idea or they might help me out with uh, what's a better video title or which one of these two thumbnails would you click on? Uh, those guys help me out so much. So shout out to everybody on team Gallstar. I appreciate you guys so much for all the help. And, uh, and they definitely help me with content creation as well. I get ideas from them once a week. It's incredible. This is an interesting kind of thought process as well, because I'm sure if you can honestly think back two years ago, much less five years ago, and tried to articulate what Callstar would be at the end of 2020, it probably is different than what it actually looks like today, right? But, but with that in mind, I know you've also got a vision for the future. And as this thing continues to grow and this, like the, the, platform that you are utilizing now with YouTube, it's not a new thing by any stretch of the imagination, right? YouTube's huge. It's still a relatively new thing to our racing community, right? It feels like this new technology, even though it's decades old. So as a pioneer within our industry, um, obviously it's, it's good to be at the forefront. And it now, I believe you're, you're kind of transitioning into reaping the benefits of that as you look out at the expanse of what's in front of you like what is what's on tap in the future where do you see this thing going in the next i don't know year three years five years whatever right um it's a good question because if, if you would have asked me you know four five years ago you know you're making a YouTube channel. What's the plan? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be a big YouTuber and, and I'm gonna, that's basically what the plan would have been. But, um, you know, reality is, is there's only so many bracket racers out there. So the audience can only be so big, but I try really hard to, to keep the channel accessible to more than just bracket racers. I, I want to, I mean, I have to be really careful. There's a fine line that I, that I always find myself walking uh, to don't dive in so technical that you scare everybody off because it's a family channel. Um, I want the kids to be able to enjoy watching it. I want racers wives to be able to enjoy watching it. And of course racers. So uh, that's one thing that I'm always doing is trying to, you know, find more audiences that I can grow towards in that way. Um, but you know, the platform has really given me an opportunity to kind of just grow our racing program because I think the channel itself really just sets our racing program apart from pretty much everybody else's racing program. And that's really attractive in the eyes of companies and potential marketing partners um, and things like that. So that has really, 
you know, reaping the rewards like you talked about that has really started taking off for us. And that's been super helpful um, in regards to our racing program, as far as what is the future for, uh, you know, Gallstar TV, we're, we're starting to do a little bit more live streaming. And um, I think that's kind of the next direction. I, I want to be able to put more content out there for the audience. Um, and I want to be able to connect to them at a little bit better level. Um, and I think live streaming is, is kind of the next step in the next step for the channel to be able to do that. Um, and you know, one thing that we've been working on, it's the off season and we're all working on trying to get better. And, um, one thing that I have realized is that hitting a practice tree by yourself in your basement or in your garage or whatever you're doing is just not the same. It is just does not feel the same. There's no pressure to doing that. Um, and I guess for me, it really seems a lot easier to hit the practice tree that way. But what I have found is that hitting the practice tree while live streaming is much, much more realistic and simulates an actual race. So uh, not only am I going to be doing a little bit more live streaming on the channel and on our other social medias, Facebook and um, Instagram and things like that, but uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be able to bring me and the family closer to the audience and have, you know, a, t a tighter relationship with the audience like that, but also doing some of these practice tree exercises and uh, practice tree challenges uh, is, is going to be fun for everybody, including the audience. And it's also just going to help, you know, hone my skills as well, because it's way harder to cut good lights on a practice tree when you're live streaming and there's a bunch of people watching. Dude, I'd never would have imagined like I was involved in the pros versus Joe's deal that uh, Peter and Kyle put on back. I don't know that was probably April. And uh, I remember the day prior, I actually did like a, cause I'm, I'm such a preparation freak. I feel like the little bit that I know of you, you're very, very much the same way. So I went through, a, I actually recorded myself in a walkthrough, you know, and I made like my five hits and I, I sent it to, I, I recorded it, sent it to Kyle Seipel. I'm like, will all this work, right? Like, is this the way that you want it? And in those five hits, like I was freaking Superman. Like, I think my worst, <laughs> like 003, I'm like, oh, I got this, right? And then in the actual competition, it was, uh, I, it was me and Antron Brown first round and we were the first pair out right? So I didn't get to see anyone else suck, right? <laughs> I came on and it was immediately when the lights went on and we're live, I swear, like they changed the rollout on me. You know what I mean? Like, ah, oh, you got to get with the, the track, mess something up here, you know? It was like added 15 to the box. I couldn't let go. And it wasn't, it was embarrassingly bad. You know, I went from not being worse than 003 to, I don't think I was better than 10 in my five hits. And I, I, put it down and was like, Oh my God, that was just on live everything. Right. Like what in the world? And then I quickly felt better because the other 14 racers there that I respect so much, like we all sucked. And it was, it's such a different and no one in there was, as was a stranger to pressure situations behind the wheel, but it's just a different type of intensity. And it's, I think there's a lot to be gained from it. Right. And, and I agree. Just the little bit that I've done, I mean, we're starting to do a little bit more of it. And I just thought, you know, what better way to practice last, last year, I really doubled down on my practice tree uh, activities over the off season. And I, you know, I'm not going to say it didn't help, but um, I think that the added pressure is what was missing for sure. 
Cool. Now I really look forward to uh, to seeing you take that and run with it, and uh, and the practice free competition. Like uh, I'll, I want to not only uh, see that happen, I want to participate in it and 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 feel that pressure myself. Awesome. We'll have you on. <laughs> I do want to. I want to circle back too because one thing you said really hit home with me. I would imagine you alluded to this a little bit that there has been a struggle at least at times. And, and I guess my interpretation of this is that Golf Star TV started out as a broader idea, started out as maybe the, the goal is how can I introduce more people to this sport that I love so much? And it feels like it's more, more into a specialty. It's like, no, no, here's the audience that we have. It's basically racers and how do we cater to them how difficult a is that accurate and b how difficult is it to weigh those two against each other like the more broad appeal to everyone versus the more specialized like this is a racing channel more for racers right and and that's kind of that fine line that i kind of referred to being careful with the content because I find that if I make a, a video that really dives into, you know, the technical side and, and we're talking about, you know, the time slip and the numbers and you know, we're using our bracket racing language that we use. Um, and I think that my audience that I have, those videos perform really, really well. And those videos will perform really, really well for people who are searching for bracket racing content on the internet um, for sure. But uh, I guess what I also have to kind of consider is just, I just don't want to, you know, have a channel that uh, is not going to be able to have a, a larger audience in the future because um, I just don't think there's enough bracket racers in the world in order to, you know, have a, a, a big, big channel that way. Um, so I, I, I want to make the videos like, entertaining and exciting enough and that's where we work really hard on the editing to incorporate exciting music exciting visuals um and you know i work really hard on cool camera techniques and and things like that behind the scenes to try and make the video have that extra level of polish on it and have that extra like entertainment factor so that if you're watching it and you don't understand what we're talking about it was still a fun video to watch, you know, nonetheless. So that's kind of what I'm always trying to accomplish, I guess. Um, and I'm drawing a blank as, as what the rest of your question was there. But I would imagine at times that's easier said than done too. It's, that's, it's difficult to check both boxes, right? Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Okay. So I knew coming into this conversation and it, and it just got hammered home, your passion about our sport, right? And that's, like I say, that just oozes through in everything that you do. I guess what should have been obvious, but that I maybe never completely considered, it sounds like you've got a similar passion for the, the technical side, like the nuts and bolts of actually assembling this and making it into something that is watchable, something that is enjoyable, entertaining, informative on, you know, down the line checks all those boxes. Um, I don't want to ask you to weigh one against each other, but I'm kind of curious, like if, if racing wasn't a thing 
or if you had never been introduced to it, do you think that you would be doing something YouTube related? And then if so, the trick next question is, what would that content look like? <laughs> um, so if racing wasn't a thing, would I still be making videos? I'm going to go with yes, probably. I probably would be making videos. If, if, even if I had never been to a racetrack before, uh, just because, um, kind of like I mentioned before, I'm an, I'm an engineer during the day, um, and that comes with its whole set of challenges every day. Um, but it, it does not challenge me in a creative way. And I just had to find an outlet for that because I, you know, growing up, I, I just was a very visual and kind of kid. I'm sure my mom would probably vouch for that because I probably drew more pictures than any child on planet earth or, and my daughter is the same way now too. But I, I just always kind of had this creative side of, you know, wanting to make something all the time. And so I think that that would have probably eventually drove me to continue to make um, content, even if I wasn't a drag racer. Um, what would that content be? That's harder to answer just because it, it would be whatever I'm into probably, you know, if I'm not into racing, I'd be into something else. And and back at the beginning of the channel, I mean, I, a lot of the inspiration, you know, that I was really into when I started the channel was uh, drones and stuff like that too. So like, I'm not going to say that the channel would specifically just be about that, but I did a lot of drone content. I mean, I'm talking fast drones, you know, custom built 80 mile an hour drones. So that was pretty, pretty cool to make some video content, putting a, a GoPro on something like that, that does all these crazy acrobatic maneuvers. Um, we have done some video content about that way back in the day, but uh, so not saying that the channel would have been a drone channel, but it probably would have been whatever I happened to be into if it wasn't racing so i guess it was a roundabout way of asking like um you know what is the what is a secondary hobby and that might be a trick question because as we said before between work and family and racing and golf star tv i don't know that you have time for a second hobby but is there anything else that just piques your interest that you think that uh you know if racing wasn't a thing that, that you might be focused on uh, i don't know I, i've pretty much quit with the drones and stuff like that just because of those reasons that you said there's just not enough hours in the day if there could be 40 hours in a day i would capitalize on mostly all of them i swear but um you know i i stay really busy and if i have any spare time outside of all the things that you mentioned i'm gonna do it by spending a little bit more time with the family that's that's my secondary hobby for sure you know vera keeps me running but it's it's so much fun the things that we get into so if, uh, if there magically were 40 hours in a day, I have no doubt that we would fill them up almost instantly and be asking, man, why can't there be more hours in the day, right? <laughs> I think you're right. Yep, for sure. Thomas, man, I have really enjoyed this. I love, I love the opportunity that this show provides to sit down with successful, authentic, charismatic people in a long-form format and really attempt to dissect what it is that you do and how you do it and some of the motivation behind it. So thank you for a uh, being who you are and, 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 and having this opportunity and be the, the openness, the transparency, the honesty to kind of walk us through a, a lot of uh, what goes into what you do. So really appreciate that. 
what for our listeners um, that may not be as familiar, like what is the best place for them to find your work? Right. Um, well, we're on mostly all social media platforms, but YouTube is where it started and that's where my primary focus always is. And and I would encourage you to go over to uh, youtube.com slash TV and uh, check it out because uh, we put a lot of work into the videos. We have a lot of fun doing it. And uh, I hope that, you know, everybody will go and check it out and enjoy it. That's, uh, that's what we aim to do. We aim to educate, entertain, and grow the sport of bracket racing. So hopefully... Hopefully you guys can find some enjoyment and checking out all of the videos. And uh, if you're on Facebook, we're over there too. Instagram as well. Thomas, man, thank you so much for your time. I thoroughly enjoyed this. Really appreciate you coming on. And thank you so much, Luke, too. I appreciate everything you guys do with the podcast. That's awesome. And thanks for having me. As you know, Jed and I love BTE. In addition to their support of this podcast, BTE has been a part of each of our racing programs for years. For me, uh, two plus decades. I not only use their product, depend on their product, uh, we sell their product, and uh, I would recommend it to anyone. Right now, the annual BTE Black Friday sale is in effect. So it's 20% off any BTE order. So if you are in the market for a complete transmission, torque converter, parts, upgrades, what have you, at any point this offseason, now is the time to take advantage and save some money. You can order uh, online at bteracing.com. We also carry a deep selection of BTE products on thisisbracketracing.com slash parts. If you go there, the promo code at checkoff to get the 20% off is BTE Black Friday. Again, that's thisisbracketracing.com slash parts. And then at checkout, the promo code BTE Black Friday. Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss, or at least reference, This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming 
that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elitist for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.